Funding for WPLN News comes from you, our listeners, and Bernstein Private Wealth, working with creators and innovators to invest with intention and build the legacy they want to leave behind. More at Bernstein.com. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Living in Music City, you become accustomed to the great number of venues where you can go see world-class musicians and performances. But with that comes the hassle of parking. And let's not forget the high price of admission. But if you head out to a DIY space to see a show, you'll experience great music, but it's in an atmosphere that's more about community than curated environment. So what are DIY spaces really about? What's their history here in Nashville? Now, my next guests are here to give us that history. I'd like to welcome Olivia Shabelli, the co-founder of Dark Matter Collective, and John Sewell, owner of the packing plant to the show. Olivia and John, welcome to This Is Nashville. Hello, how are you? Welcome. Thanks for having us. You know, I'm great. It's great to have <laughs> you both here. Okay, so you know, I want to start off with the basics, Olivia. Tell us, what is a DIY space? Well, DIY stands for do-it-yourself, mm-hmm. but I always like to put the little disclaimer on it that it's never really yourself. Yourself is the general you. It's more like do it together. Okay. So I feel like it's a space that is often birthed out of necessity, a place where communities come together that are all interested in very similar or adjacent activities, um, usually art and music, and people come together and want to just kind of create these spaces where they can gather and do their art and and music. Okay, so you're from upstate New York, right? I am. And that's where you first encountered a DIY space, correct? Yeah, in a way. I went to, um, there's a very historic folk venue called Cafe Lena in Saratoga Springs, where I'm from. And my best friend and I, um, every Wednesday, we did the Emerging Artist Breakout Series, which I learned how to do work a soundboard. And I was 16, and we would book bands, and we would make cookies and coffee and, and do that whole thing. And that was super formative for me when I realized how important it is to foster emerging artists. Did you have any emerging artists who went on to make it big? Um, yes, uh, yes, but it was like, it's a very different scene in upstate where it's more folk venue, kind of acoustic, things like that. When I moved to Nashville, though, that's when I got into like punk and metal and and indie and that really changed my life. Okay, so talk to me about when you moved (laughs) to Nashville. Um, Did you discover the DIY spaces here when you arrived and how did you find them? Yes, I did. I I remember I had come here as a a 19-year-old looking for community and uh, some friends of mine, I kind of stumbled into Nashville on my way somewhere else and they were like, you can't leave. You got to see all this cool stuff that's going on. (laughs) Um, And I was like, I guess. And they took me to this place, John, you'll remember, uh, Little Hamilton. Mm -hmm. iconic Mm -hmm. and uh, they were like come for a dance party my friend Laura was DJing it was a super deadly dance party oh great yeah those were fun it was in October this is my Nash anniversary so October aka Rocktober in Nashville is very lively Um, so I remember going to Little Hamilton which was like on a street Little Hamilton by the fairgrounds and it was just an open warehouse space. It was so cheap. It must have been like five or six hundred dollars a month. Ugh, thinking about that makes me those days are long gone. Long gone. Mm-hmm. But um I remember stumbling into this magical place. It was like Narnia where you open the closet and you stumble in and there are all these beautiful freaks and weirdos and everyone's dancing and in costumes because it was kind of Halloween. And uh, I just remember 
being mind blown and thinking this this is what I want to do with my life. These mm. are my people. Mm. Now, John, what made Little Hamilton special to you? Um, for me, <clears throat> the first uh, memory that popped into my mind was uh, almost burning the place down accidentally. <laughs> wow. Um, I was, uh, this is tangential and off topic, but I was in a band called Party Cannon <laughs> and uh, Inside Fireworks were, were our thing, um, which, I, uh, you know, I, you can't promote that on the radio. Um, no, no, we're not. Yeah, promoting we're not promoting that. that. Uh, but anyway, someone threw some fireworks in my fireworks stash, and I oh. built this scaffolding. So I was playing drums, standing up on the second tier of scaffolding, and all the fireworks start going off. So the place fills with smoke. Um, but it was a magical place, and I feel like that places like Little Hamilton, or when I think about DIY spaces, I think about those are the places where people play. Mm. And at least for me, that's... Um, if you wanted to look at like a theoretical background, that's where I would say that's a, really where culture comes from is where people play and there's not a material interest in it mm. um, because uh, no one's going to get rich playing punk music or playing hardcore or operating an all ages venue. So you do it for the sake of, of itself, uh, art for this, for art's sake, Ars Gratia Artis and all that jazz. You are a Nashville native and you've been on the scene for quite a while. What were the beginnings of the DIY scene in the city? Um, at least for me, the first few L, uh, times I went were at Lucy's Record Shop, 1707 Church Street. Had my mom drop me off around the corner uh, so that I could pretend that I walked there. Nice. Um, as one does. Um, but it, all ages shows. Um, Donnie and April Kindle, before they uh, teamed up with Mary, they were doing uh, matinee shows on Sundays. <laughs> Um, they were show, They were doing all ages shows. Um, so you think about it, it's like open for everyone to contribute, to participate. Um, the first time you play, you're going to play there. Uh, the, I remember the first time in order to get a show there, we just, uh, in another band I was in, we just uh, made a copy of someone else's seven inch and gave it to them. Uh, we were terrible. But that's what all bands are at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I feel like that's why DIY venues, these independent spaces are important because they offer a place for culture to have its nascent moment. Mm. Because now, uh, looking back at it, even from a historiographical perspective, we're talking about punk and hardcore almost in historical terms, um, the impact that it had. And um, but at first, right, it was annoying to people. What are they doing? Why are they doing that? It sounds like trash. Um, some of it probably is literally people banging on trash cans and stuff. But it was a place for uh, people to grow and play. So mm -hmm. I think w if you lose that, you're going to lose a vital part of your culture. That spirit yeah. that you're talking about. <clears throat> now, Olivia, you know, how are the DIY venues? How are they different from indie venues like Exit In, for example? Um, that's a really good question. I think I can really only speak to how we run Dark Matter and how we structure it, but we put our biggest focus, as John was saying, honestly, like we don't really focus on making money, even though we need it. We fully know we need it. Uh, we don't have, we have a little bar. It's kind of a concession stand. We don't sell liquor mm -hmm. and we're all ages. And our biggest thing is keeping the space as like a safer space. The term safe space, I don't really like because you can't really have a safe space, but a safer space. And uh, we, you know, are all looking out for each other. Um, it, it's not the number one thing isn't the bar. And I unfortunately for most venues, that is really how they make their money. And so 
music is kind of secondary in some of these spaces. Whereas I feel like at Dark Matter, music and art is kind of the reason why people come. Like no one's going there to like, let's grab a drink. They're like, we want to see this band. Um, And, you know, we definitely do everything ourselves within our community. Like we built out that space all of us by hand, you know, none of us are contractors or really good at that, but you know, we do what we can and people love to contribute and they want to contribute and be a part of it. And we do have an open door policy where anyone that wants to come and be a part of the community can, you know, I mean, my business partners, Chappie and Catherine and I run the space on paper, but it's really so much bigger than that. The true collective. A true collective. Now, Now, John, you were talking about the punk music punk music and the the art and the culture there being a big part of DIY spaces. There's also a connection to like radical politics, right? Totally. Mm. And that's what <clears throat> I was going to uh, shout out to places like Dark Matter and places like Little Hamilton before. They almost have an info shop component <clears throat> to it where you could you go there and you can meet people and you could have conversations that, su- that are super interesting and probably on the fringe of politics. Um, and I think providing that place, that space for that that type of activity is part of, because you're all also talking about the difference between uh, DIY spaces and independent venues is probably an intentionality mm. to create that space. Um, and um, you talked about in what's an info shop? Um, I don't know. Do you want to take it from there? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my biggest platform with dark matter is rooted in organizing, and as John said, dark matter does have a big component of the community that are really interested in pushing progressive politics, upholding things, ideals like mutual aid being one of the biggest, um, you know, foundations for organizing. We take care of each other. During the pandemic, we hosted um, the Nashville Free Store Mm -hmm. where we had a lot of exchange of goods. And now we have a group uh, that meets on Saturdays called The Living Room where we do different skill shares and, and different Um, you know, we just will have like snacks and coffee and we're talking about books and we're talking about local issues and, you know, things like Stop Cop City that is really important and formative coming up. Um, Google it, everybody. But, um, you know, like we did a sewing workshop where everyone could bring in their projects and sew together. Um, Mm. But not only that, you know, we definitely have a lot of um, uh, people that come and want to organize for, uh, abolition movements and things like that. And info shop is kind of a place where you can you can kind of gather that information, making zines together and sharing that. So, you know, people, when they think about like radical politics or the anarchist point of view, mm-hmm. they tend to think, oh, these folks want to overthrow everything. That's Is that quite it? What, what are folks not understanding when you look at kind of some of the philosophies of radical politics and the community organizing aspect that DIY spaces contain? That's such an amazing question, and I feel like one that is such a giant question. It's hard to kind of summarize. We do giant questions on This Is Nashville all the time. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. I mean, I first of all would encourage everyone to come by Dark Matter Saturdays from noon to 3 and check out what we're doing, and we could have more in-depth conversations. Um, but... Uh, let's see. What can you can you repeat that you question? Know, I, I'm I'm curious about you know many folks they have a certain perception mm. of the rebellious right, politics right. and it. anarchist point of view, right. and that seems to be a, a, at the heart of what some DIY spaces are all about. And my question is like, what are folks really misinterpreting or not understanding about that point of view, and why it's so important to DIY spaces? Well, I think leftist 
politics is such a giant umbrella because I think all of my friends and all the people involved, we all have different focuses and we all have different th things that matter to us more so maybe like you know in this world you really have to pick and choose your battles and choose your energy wisely um and so it's just really like a big playing field of just everyone looking how can we make the world a more equitable place mm. how can we make this place a safer place for our trans siblings for you know anyone that is marginalized um how can we protect each other and it really is about that it's about solidarity mm. I think at its core it's not necessarily about burning things down and lighting things on fire just to say you know you know oh we don't care about anything it's exactly the opposite it's like almost like nothing matters so everything matters mm -hmm. that makes sense <laughs> it makes sense to me definitely you know in 2016 there was a deadly fire at the Oakland based DIY space ghost ship over 30 people there lost their lives and the fire kind of alerted authorities all over the country about DIY spaces, I know soon after that, when I was living in Albuquerque, New Mexico, they kind of looking at the DIY yeah. spaces out there. I know that happened here mm -hmm. in Nashville. I'd like to hear from both of you. John, you first. How did the authorities here react after the ghost ship fire? <clears throat> oh, that's a good question. And uh, I'll probably let you answer that, but I wanted to ta uh, tag something onto what you guys were talking about earlier. Yeah. I was like, I think a lot of people are still under the... Uh, uh, a misguided understanding of anarchist politics as being like the bomb throwing, uh, bearded bomb thrower from like a hundred years ago, propaganda by the deed is political assassination. But now I'd say now propaganda by the deed is living the world that you want to see. And so I think mm -hmm. for a lot of people, it's coming together in community and it's not necessarily um, anarchists with a capital A. It's more um, people just living that life and walking that life as a model for others. So, mm -hmm. for instance, when you have an art crawl where there's a bunch of booths set up and it's people distributing homemade uh, materials, silkscreened, um, handmade zines, um, it's, it's, do, it's showing that, hey, we could... Um, uh, create a new world together mm. and it's not necessarily being like all right we're going to talk about uh, the state as a tool or instrument of oppression we're just going to walk the walk and so that I think that's more attractive to people mm. as far as the uh, so well said oh thanks um, I hadn't practiced that I probably should have done it better but um, <laughs> it's a big question uh, it was a great right? job. okay good um, yeah but I, I but maybe I, I was gonna let uh, Olivia speak more to the uh, react oh. reaction to when that came down Well, because it directly affected us right, in that setting. Right. I mean, we, I remember Ghost Ship happened a month later. We were kind of buzzing around, like, is this, are we going to get shut down? You know, you kept seeing all across the country. And then, of course, it was December 2016. The fire marshal rolls up very casually. You know, no one had called. We were in a place where there was no, there were no neighbors. You know, it was almost like they had a master list and we, we had to shut down. What location was it? On Indiana. It Indiana. was Dark Matter okay. 2.0. Yeah. Right. Because um, we just keep bouncing around like little cockroaches. But um, <laughs> can't kill us. But um, it was really not shocking at the time. You mm. know, we were just sort of like, of course, we, we saw that coming. Um, and then I always like to cite that, like, I definitely worked to get us back up to codes. And that was a whole crazy experience that was very telling of the system being broken. However, we did open back up eventually, but it is so disappointing to think, 
you know, our political system or our our local systems, they say, oh, this happened, this was an emergency. How can we better support artists? How can we make these spaces more accessible? Instead of that, they just say, this is a problem. We're going to shut it down, Hmm. Um, which doesn't work. You know, prohibition in any shape and form doesn't work. Let's take a short break. Cool. When we come back, we'll learn more about the DIY spaces in the city and hear how Nashville's booming real estate market is affecting the DIY community. Do you go to DIY spaces? Which ones? Join the conversation by telling us, by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Khalil Colonna, and this is Nashville. DIY spaces are cool underground venues to see anything from a musical performance to a poetry reading. They're home to a network of musicians and creatives, and they're all about community and have a sense of rebellion to them. Before the break, we learned about the history of some DIY spaces in the city. Now let's look at the origin stories of some of the spaces that are currently holding events. For that, I'd like to introduce my next guest. Tracy Argiro is the founder of Mirror Mirror Network. Tracy, thanks for being here. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Thank you. Appreciate it. And Olivia Shabelli of the Dark Matter Collective and John Sewell from The Packing Plant are still with us. Again, both to you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. All right, so Tracy, tell me about Mirror Mirror Network. What will people find when they visit? All kinds of stuff. Um, So my husband and I opened it pretty much a year ago. Friday the 13th is going to be our our one-year anniversary. Well done. We made it almost there. Um, and so it's a retail boutique. So we have vintage. We um, we sell suits. We sell all some different um, new clothing lines. And on the other side, we have this tea house lounge. So we serve high garden tea, which we love, and we um, we have you know cakes and pies and all of that. And so then at night, that turns into a little venue on Monday nights. We call it Mondays Live, and we do all kinds of different um, performances, whether it be you know obviously music, jazz. We've had uh, some soul, obviously rock, all kinds of stuff. And then we've had um, comedy nights. We do burlesque. We've had fashion shows. We've done book readings, all kinds of different stuff. So it's just a space for the community, and it's grown into its own little uh, world. You know, we didn't really plan to have it be this sort of um, venue. It kind of just evolved on its own, and now it just makes so much sense, and we could tell that the community was really craving it, so we're happy to provide that. So congratulations, you're the new kids on the block. You got this year coming up, but you you started this with your husband. Yep. Was this a love story that turned into this project? (laughs) Ah, yes. We, you know, we're both musicians and artists, and um, we've been in the, you know, hospitality industry and always dreamt of having something of our own and and we knew that we had a vision that wasn't you know realized here in Nashville so far and so we just wanted to do something but we weren't exactly sure what that would be Um, and so we found this location out in Donaldson and the building was just perfect for what we envisioned and so we just dove right in we didn't have like a strict business plan or what you know we just had a general idea of what we wanted to bring into Nashville and and we signed the lease and opened in five weeks, and it was blood, sweat, and tears, mm. and put everything into it. I was pregnant at the time, six months pregnant, wow. so it was literally just crazy, crazy, crazy. And and yeah, and it's it's 
been fun to go into it kind of um, unprepared because it gave room for it to grow and to just become what it needed to become. So you're learning as you're going organically. Mm -hmm. What have been the biggest challenges so far? Uh, Because it's just pretty much the two of us. Um, You know, obviously, like you said, it takes a team and a village and we have that, thankfully. Um, But I think prioritizing and uh, seeing seeing what we can do and what needs to just be in that way and and let things happen um not on a schedule just organically and and so it's just it's a lot of spinning plates and and listening to the community and and then also intuitively knowing you know what we want to do so i think that's been the most challenging thing is because for me i always want to jump in and have everything done exactly you know the way i see it right then but this has been a learning experience for patients and for listening Mm. and and responding and and that way so i have a great idea for your next event okay plate spinners Oh, we just had a magician at our, our, our other event this past Monday, and um, that's yeah, that's naturally the next step. Awesome. Yeah. Let me know; I'll be yeah, there. Yeah, some pies and cakes, hey, all of it. Let's do it. Now, yeah. Olivia, Dark Matter is like one of the OG DIY spaces at this point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so what? So if someone goes. What can they see? Um, most nights we have live music. I would say, um, and over the years, and because we are so established um we have a lot of touring bands that come through um and lately we've been having some some bigger names that that's been really really fun um and really it's an honor to like host host these people um but we still really want to focus on the local artists as Mm -hmm. john said at the beginning of this you know those are the people that emerge from the ground up to become the next like bullies of the city and we want to continue to foster that but you know we also do other things movie nights and comedy nights and game nights and markets and literally whatever anyone wants to come through and say can we host this do you have the space we'll say yeah absolutely come on on through now before the break you talked about the social activism that Mm -hmm. was a part of uh, dark matter you guys invite organizers mm-hmm. and folk people working towards social justice to meet there, mm-hmm. to plan things there. What do you want to offer folks who work in that space? Why is that really important? Well, as we saw during the height of the pandemic, the biggest lockdown portion of the pandemic, organizing over Zoom and not together is really, really hard because you have to build trust with people. And another thing that I noticed is that, you know, when people feel called to do this work, they want to start things. But I learned something. My biggest takeaway was maybe starting something isn't always the move. Maybe it's finding the people that are doing that work and supporting the work that they're already doing. But that involves um, a lot of connecting. Mm. And so I see Dark Matter as a hub and an opportunity to to connect all of these people um, because we are stronger together like a giant transformer. (laughs) (laughs) Now, John, your your space, the packing plant, it's full of repurposed materials and salvaged materials. (laughs) We've got excellent, excellent excellent producers. You know, Tell me about how how that happened, how you came to build the space. Um, I bought it in 2012 when no one cared about Nashville and no one cared about the neighborhood I lived in. Mm -hmm. Um, What neighborhood was that? Wedgwood, Houston. Okay. Um, Now uh, we're full. 
don't come there. Um, <laughs> it's it's annoying now. Um, John. We got uh, Soho and all that. Uh, uh, my don't pressure. name neighborhoods oh, anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, but yeah, so I bought the building um, and I started fixing it up and I did not have a big vision at first. I knew I wanted to create a space. And that's one thing for me that I love about Dark Matter also is um, I can't do all these things, nor is that my skill set. Um, so for me, I feel like maybe my role in all of this, if someone were to look back and be like, what'd that guy do? Oh, he made a space for others. Mm. And so that's, um, and at the time I was a union carpenter for about a decade and, um, also a junk man for about 40 years. So those combined for me to squirrel away stuff in the shop where I was working. And that's how I built out the upstairs, um, is almost all repurposed and salvaged material. And that was not for lead certification. That was just for, um, doing the right thing ethically and ecologically. But so who's in the building now are, it's a bunch of art galleries. There's student run art galleries from Lipscomb and Watkins. Um, there's a Rizograph print studio, Rizology club. There's a, a visual arts curatorial collective called Coop, and they just put on a, a micro cinema program. There's a uh, Red 225 and Unrequited Leisure or other spaces in there. Uh, I don't know if it's kosher to plug another radio station on this one, but WXNA yeah. is upstairs. Um, okay. God bless them for keeping the, uh, the community radio spirit alive, as well as a mutual aid network for educators called Educators Cooperative. So if you're a teacher or no one, I would get plugged in with them. And the Free Nashville Poetry Library. And they organize um, a lot of the Makers Bazaar that happens during the art crawl. So if you show up, you have the art galleries that are popping off inside, but outside you have small booth setups for emerging artists that are doing and practicing their own arts and crafts at home and want to share that with the world. Um, and so really it's the work of those people. I just... Uh, said here's some real estate you could use there you go mm. and and give them that space and you know it, it, it appears that there's a network of diy spaces again you all help each other out tracy how important that is that to you being that you know you just opened your shop mm -hmm. a year ago mm -hmm. that you had help from folks it's it's absolutely necessary and and we knew that going into it but it, it i mean it's it was beautiful to see it in in real life you know and Especially in Donaldson, the that neighborhood has been so welcoming and just so supportive. And so, we, I mean, we were unsure about where to open and we live in Donaldson and, and I'm so glad that we chose there because it's just, it's a really lovely neighborhood. And But beyond that, um, I mean, we're a mere, mere network. So that's what we're all about is connecting people and artists and creators, makers, and just everyone and trying to build something bigger than what we are. If you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Kaliole Colonna. We're talking this hour about the DIY spaces in the city with John Sewell, Olivia Shabelli, and Tracy Argiro. You can tweet your comments at This Is Nashville. Now, John, you, you're this wonderful, I'd say, um, altruistic landlord Okay. to all of these wonderful organizations. How do you determine who is a good fit for your space? Mm. Mm. <laughs> Damn, that's a good question. Um, 
usually I look for like-minded people and, and maybe I'm, maybe I gravitate towards people where uh, profit isn't the, the main motive because um, if you're just tuning in and you did not know this, um, nonprofits and the visual arts are not big money makers. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I, I, I want to help those type of entities out because, because I built out my own building um, with a bunch of salvage materials and it was my labor. Um, I could keep rents low, which, um, I've found out are, uh, drastically lower than what's going on up around me. But I'm I'm in commercial real estate by accident, right? Mm-hmm. I just made a building and I wanted to stock it with cool people. And um, I think someone told me we, um, we find the others uh, in whom the fire burns. And so when I meet people and they're doing something that's super interesting and um, th- they're a good fit, specifically downstairs is all the visual arts galleries. So those work together really well. Um, w- and almost all of them are entities that were either about to get kicked out or they saw the writing on the wall as mm-hmm. far as where they were located, be it the arcade downtown, um, somewhere in the May Hosiery building when it got bought. and. Everyone got kicked out. Um, and so it, maybe that's also, maybe I'm the cool place of last resort. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're definitely helping a lot of people out, you know, because you, you talked about it. The city is becoming more costly mm-hmm. to live in. Uh, as I say all the time, the rent is too damn high for commercial spaces and for domestic spaces as mm-hmm. well. You know, so what does having spaces like this mean to the city, you know, as it's becoming so expensive, Olivia? Um, I mean, just to continue to foster places for people to gather. I mean, the only way you meet people these days really is by kind of connecting, going out there, going to a show or, you know, I love what you said. You see the fire in people. It's hard to see that online. Mm -hmm. And it's also hard to tell like who's posting from a certain account. You know, you don't really know. Um, But when you meet people, you're like, oh, you're the person that's doing mirror, mirror. I've heard about Mm -hmm. you. And I was just saying this to Tracy, like. (laughs) I've heard about you doing amazing things. And also I want to say that the idea of competition within our community, it doesn't exist because Mm. we are all kind of fighting for the same thing. So it's more along the lines of what can we share together? And if Dark Matter is busy one night, you know, we can recommend Mirror Mirror or whatever. And that, that means so much to me to be able to say Nashville is a place that you should come and do your art or bring your band or do your pop-up, um, try the thing. And we have these spaces to provide uh, for you to do these things. I want Nashville to still be a place that is for artists and for radical like-minded people. And the more we gatekeep things like property the less we're going to have for that. And Nashville is music city, you know, let's keep it music art city. Let's, let's keep these things alive. Are, are you worried, Tracy, that things are going to become too expensive for venues like what the three of you all run and own to exist? Uh, definitely. I mean, it's, it's a struggle. It's not easy in any way. Um, and, you know, I, I think that we have, Donaldson is a little bit more affordable than other parts of, of Nashville. So we even have it easier than others. And, it's tough, and so, and you have to want it really bad mm-hmm. to to stay in there because um, it's a fight. And and I think that you know, with the prices being so high, some people won't take that risk, and that's really like why we felt so strongly about opening something like this because we knew that we had that fire in us. Mm-hmm. So it, it, I think if it's more accessible, more people will want to do it. Nishan, I'm gonna give you the last word for this cool. segment. What do you want people to know about our local DIY community? Um, 
I uh, maybe just one interesting tidbit is that there is scientific evidence for mutual aid, and it, it kind of like competition is probably not the way forward. And at least a lot of people that do not have the competitive mindset can see it. And so, I I think this decentralized network where people will email me out of the blue, be like, and what where should I do? And I'll send them to other interesting places. Um, and I think that it's that network of camaraderie and coming together that actually has precedent in making us human. Mm. John Sewell is the owner of The Packing Plant, and Tracy Argiro is the co-owner of Mirror Mirror Network. I want to thank you both for being with us today. Thank you. Olivia Shabelli will be, stick with, well, she'll stick with us through the break. <laughs> We're going to get to the break. Trust me. <laughs> when we come back, we'll learn about the next generation of DIY spaces and hear why they are the perfect place for beginner artists to get exposure. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. Colona, and this is Nashville. We've been discussing the importance of DIY spaces in our city, and these are venues that are for and by creatives. They're inexpensive and accessible to artists and musicians of all levels. They can serve as a community-based entry point for the creative-minded. So what does the next generation of DIY spaces in our town look like? My next guests started a DIY art gallery called Random Sample. Linda Parrott is the founder and director of Random Sample, and Andy Bilheimer is assistant director. Linda, Andy, thank you for being here. Welcome to This is Nashville. Hello, thank you for having us. Yeah, for real, this is awesome. Yeah, really, it's really it's cool. awesome to have you both here. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, tell me, how did Random Sample get started? Yeah, I mean, so I basically, it's been kind of a brainchild of mine for a really long time, and I I do photography and videography in Nashville, and it, it definitely felt like a visual art space that's like approachable and small was kind of lacking for newer artists like who have maybe never shown before um and then i was just always had my eye out because i've been here for almost a decade okay um and then i just happened to drive past that building one day and then i was like oh this looks really cool and could be a really cool space for an art gallery and then it happened <laughs> so yeah um that's kind of now, That's it, you say you wanted to do a space like this yes. for a long time. Yeah. How long? How far back I does mean, this dream go? I mean, honestly, kind of the more I think about it since I was like even in high school, I mean, maybe not in this like kind of iteration, but I always thought it'd be really cool to have a space that's like kind of community driven, whatever that really looked like. Um, and then uh, Olivia actually got me on board with Dark Matter. I used to work there. <laughs> Shout out. Love that <laughs> and space. So does Andy. Yeah, Andy works there now. Yeah, we're, okay. we're all See? a little family. Community. Yeah, we are. We're all cronies. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I hear that Random Sample is not just an art gallery, mm -hmm. right? It, it does other type of events and gatherings. Tell me yeah. about those. Yeah, so we do host music, which uh, I guess has taken off a lot more than I anticipated. Because um, the need is so Yeah, high. it is like, it, it's very true. <laughs> um, but yeah, and we've had, I mean, we've had like also kind of like movie nights as well. And we've had like performance art, like someone did a whole uh 
I guess, just like skit of sort. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Okay. Now, Andy, you were there from the very beginning yes. with Linda, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me, what, what's the space like and what should folks expect if they go into an event at Random Sample? The space itself is um, small, um, especially unassuming on the outside uh, at first, and then you walk in, and that's kind of where all of the art is hanging up, um, and uh, there's like a gift shop on the side. Um, But yeah, it's very small, uh, very cozy little spot, and it's kind of tucked away on the corner of Charlotte. So you have to know where you're going. Oh yeah, to find it. All right. So I'm I'm interested. Like, how has the vision for the space changed over time? Seeing that you you were there from the very beginning. Well, at first, I think it was sort of mainly going to be envisioned as an art gallery. Um, and I think what was the first show we had there? Like like artists or for music? Oh ooh ooh, that's a great question. I honestly. I actually think it might have been um, a volunteer department oh, played. Yeah. It was like acoustic. Yeah. It was like before we even had like a PA or anything to like <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> project. I am blanking on who else. I but think Thad Kopeck. Yes. Yeah. Also played that night. Local um, So like having music really changed up the game. Oh, yeah. Probably mm-hmm. got you a lot more recognition from everyone, right? Totally. Because like Olivia said, there's such a big need. For it and here. y'all are musicians too. True. So true. people know you from that. I'm sorry, I'm interjecting, no, but please. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mom interject. this. Yeah, <laughs> no. And you guys are so talented oh. and wonderful, <laughs> and people want to. You know, people go into random sample and they think, "Can we have a show here?" Hey, Linda, can we have a show here? And of course, you know, yeah, the answer is okay, sure, why not? Mm-hmm. And then it grows from there. You know, people are like, "Oh, I, they're sh- they're doing shows over here." If Dark Matters, we're super booked like months and months in mm-hmm. advance, mm-hmm. and it's so awesome to be able to you know, yeah. have the other spaces and sister space, sibling spaces, you mm-hmm. know? So all someone has to do is ask. You don't have to present an electronic press kit. You don't have to have your <laughs> yeah. manager come up. You just roll <laughs> no. up and say, I want to do a show. I'm going to be playing the spoons. You're going to let me play a oh, show. No, I would love to see that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, for the, for the, I mean, for the most part. For the most part. Yeah, yeah. We're, nice we're not. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Now, we got a tweet from Corey oh. at Corey Wells. She says, loving this convo as an Art and poetry organizer in the borough for seven years. Finding and keeping affordable mm. space for events is such a challenge. We were getting priced out of here too. How do we make these spaces more permanent? How do we convince business, the business community and the government to invest? Olivia. Well, I don't want to lie and say we're not lucky because we're very, very fortunate that our landlords are, as John mentioned earlier, Lucy's Record Shop. Um, They ran Lucy's, Mary Mancini, uh, Donnie Kendall, April Kendall, and they found us after we shut down the the final time on our Indiana location and said they wanted to help us because they wanted their legacy to live on. They bought the building we are in right now on Dickerson. and they basically have rent control. That's the only way I could ever have seen us surviving Mm. and thriving, period. We need more benevolent landlords like John, people who want to invest in neighborhoods beyond, you know, oh, what can I squeeze 
out of this place. Mm-hmm. What I want to squeeze every drop of money I possibly can. But it's really hard to convince people to not do that because we are so entrenched in capitalism as the bottom line, even with art, even with the arts. So, you know, if you're out there, if you are rich, if you want to help us all out, buy a building, lease it to artists at a reasonable space, please, anybody. You know, <laughs> Linda, but I, I really appreciate those comments, Olivia. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, Linda, as you're getting started, you all, you and Andy are in this for two years. Mm-hmm. How are you planning to meet those challenges of affordability in the city? Oh, that is a great question. <laughs> uh, I guess kind of just take it as it as it comes. I mean, definitely yeah. grants mm-hmm. <laughs> are super helpful. Uh, are you guys a nonprofit? We're not. No. We actually are not. Um, is there yeah, an option? Always been, have you thought I, about it? We have that? thought about it, yes. But uh, Dark Matter's in the middle of, yeah, of transitioning to, to that. Mm-hmm. And why did you guys decide to make that transition? Well, because we've always been a nonprofit, period. Yeah. You know, we don't make any money we make. Even I don't make money from Dark Matter. We put it right back into the artists. We put it right back into the space. Mm-hmm. We pay our employees. Um and it only makes sense to go that route because there are so many more resources if mm-hmm. you're a nonprofit, but you have to have that government paperwork, mm-hmm. which is frustrating. We can't yeah. just say, like, help us out because we're helping the community. They yeah. want you to prove that sort of stuff. So anyway, it's a, it's a lot of work to do that as well, but it, it does make sense. Yeah, I feel like we're very similar in the same boat of just, like, it all goes back into the space and, like, the people who invest into it um so but it's not good to not pay yourself to do this work as well because mm. you want to make it sustainable and mm-hmm. you want it to grow so we have to make those those spaces yeah. for ourselves to you know to do this. i, I yeah. want to ask about that because i'm thinking it's obvious for all the guests this is a labor of love mm-hmm. for all of you 100 percent. Yeah. yeah but it's still labor it's definitely <laughs> yeah. labor yeah. and stuff like funding gives you time and energy mm-hmm. to um sort of put into that to cultivate that labor. Do the work. Yeah. If, if you're just tuning in, this is Nashville, and I'm your host, Khalil A. Colonna. We're talking this hour about DIY spaces and the next generation of venues. My guests are Linda Parrott, Andy Bilheimer, and Olivia Shabelli. You can tweet your comments to us at This Is Nashville. So you all are doing this truly for the community, yet you got to figure out a way to put food on the table and pay rent for your own places. Mm -hmm. What are you doing to support yourself while you're supporting the community? Andy? Well, I work at a music store in East Nashville called Fanny's House of Music. And I Mm -hmm. also occasionally work at Dark Matter, working sound and bar for events and stuff like that. Um, And other than that, just doing like gigs here and there. Mm It's all about the side hustles. Yeah. yeah. Side hustles. Look, we just had a conversation with uh, the president of the local SAG after chapter, and it's much the same thing for actors. <laughs> and I feel like that's the case for creative people in any city, but specifically here in Nashville. The folks who give us art, the folks who give us entertainment, give us things to do, have to do a lot of other work just to support themselves. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of looks like we prioritize being entertained so much, but it doesn't feel to me like we prioritize the entertainers. Ooh. Mm. How do y'all feel? I mean, that is completely right on. And when I first moved to Nashville, it was 2009-ish. A reason why I moved here, why I landed here, was because my rent was $800 a month. It was mm-hmm. a two-bedroom, two-bathroom house with a basement we could practice in and all that. And I could work 
part-time or work a job that was not maybe as lucrative, but I had time to tour in my band and do DIY. Um, and as that has changed, mm. you know, our income hasn't changed, but the <laughs> level of, you know, rent and things like that has changed. So it, it, it is kind of sad that Nashville used to be a place where artists could be very chill and do their art and and work but yeah it's it's a little harder now <laughs> a is lot there, harder now is there an opportunity to keep that going i still just put it back into the hands of uh of real estate and you know living <laughs> and, and working commercial spaces i mean it's just and also the minimum wage in tennessee people don't really know this it's still 725 mm. you know yeah. that's offensive beyond yeah. anything else of course most places do pay more these days because they're I mean let's hope but um, but those are those are big huge issues that you know we can't solve we're not mm. equipped to solve that um, so we look to our local leaders and hopefully people like our newly elected mayor Freddie O'Connell who is a fan of the arts and is a is a fan yes. of dark matter and has shown up to support um, hopefully we can see some of that power get flexed mm. for for us a little bit now clearly despite all of these challenges economic and just logistical challenges that you all face you're still incredibly passionate for providing space for art and music and one of the staple of the DIY scene is particularly you know all ages mm-hmm. events yeah. Andy why is it important to have a space like random sample where you don't have to be 21 to enter well I think I mean I think about when I was growing up and I was starting to go to shows um, I I don't know if I would have even had as much of an interest or a passion for it as I do now if there weren't venues like that when I was growing up or places where, um, you know, here when I was under 21, I could go to if I was like at least over 18 or something. Um, so providing that space is really important to me um, to kind of foster the next generation of people. And also beyond... Um, People under 21, I feel like all ages to me also means like people from older generations too. And I feel like random sample, something I've found with uh, events we throw there is it's not just people in their 20s, not just people Mm -hmm. in their 30s, but people who are like 50, 60 years old and don't want to stay up all night. Yes. <laughs> want to go to bed at 10 o'clock. Punk time is dead, everybody. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I understand that you all, you feature fir- older first-time artists mm-hmm. as well, right, Linda? Yes, we have. Uh, it actually had the privilege of hosting my own mother's first show. What? Tell me yeah, about that. Yeah, um, yeah it, I guess that was this past the spring, but she is a wonderful painter and artist, and she has always been like just a little, I don't know, she's confident, but I've always pushed her to, I oh wanted her show. And so, yeah. And then I was like, mom, I'd love for you to I'm do <laughs> a show. And yeah, it happened. And I think it was like really nerve wracking for her. And like, she's really nervous, but I'm just like, she's so proud of herself. And like, I'm really proud of her too for, I feel like there's also this like pressure to mm-hmm. do everything while you're young, but mm-hmm. it's like, there's no, there's no time cap on, mm-hmm. on okay. when to do. Yeah. So, so talk to me about how your mom, wow. obviously she had pressure building up to the show mm-hmm. and probably was a little bit nervous the yeah. night of the show, but as she reflected on it, what has she said to you? I mean, I think she's just really grateful to have had like the opportunity and to like, I mean, have been able to just do it at all. And like have, again, just it's like it goes back to just being able to provide a space that's like approachable and small and can you can just kind of envision when you walk in like 
whatever you want it to be. We're like, well, champion it to hopefully do that. How did it feel for, <laughs> how did it feel for you, babe? It'll I know, I know. I even like was like, we'll be like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, that's like also such a privilege and a delight to be able to like have been able to do that. Um, and like do that together. Uh, that's something I'll definitely cherish forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Andy, what are some of the most gratifying moments you've had so far being in the DIY spaces? Mm, that's a great question. I think, <laughs> Um, well, this is definitely one of them, of course, but I think another general thing, not a particular moment per se, is just like constantly realizing how many like wonderful friendships that I've mm -hmm. made through doing all of this work and have met and got to know people I might not have ever known if it weren't for this. Mm. Yeah. Um, now, you know, it's really palpable, the strong grassroots ethic that's all the work in all the work that you do and the community that's here. So, Olivia, how can that philosophy be incorporated into the fabric of the entire city so that we all can enjoy these spaces like the ones you have and run? I think that. You know, if you're listening to this and you haven't been to Dark Matter or Mirror Mirror or Packing Plant or Random Sample, I really encourage you to get out of your comfort zone and really explore these spaces because mm -hmm. they're there and they're waiting for you and you never know how you can contribute or mm -hmm. be touched or be moved or meet a new friend. Um, and I think the more we grow those networks, the stronger we will be as a community. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. What yeah. do you think, Linda? I mean, I don't know. I... Something I try and re remind myself is uh, it's from an expert of Miriam Kaba, but just like everything worthwhile uh, is done with others. And I definitely mm -hmm. try and like, and I guess part of it's fa failures are always lessons and everything worthwhile is done with others. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, just just community. I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, Andy, being community. Andy, yeah. give you the final word. What, what do you want to say to a young person who may feel like, wow, I don't know, I'm looking for spaces for my, where I can be myself, meet others who are authentically themselves, but also be given the freedom to explore and discover something new? I mean, I would say um, take a chance and approach mm. some of these places that may seem unapproachable and look at the people who are doing what you want to be doing um, mm. and instead of seeing them as giants, see them as people who were probably exactly like you at one point, mm. and um, it'll probably make their day. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I really want to thank all of you for being here <laughs> and, and so hipping much. us to what DIY spaces are like. My guests were Linda, Linda Parrott, Andy Bellheimer, they're both from Random Sample, and Olivia Shabelli of the Dark Matter Collective. Again, thank you all. Thank really you. appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville as a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Magnolia McKay. It was directed by Char Dastin. Laura Boach is our technical director. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. You can listen back at thisisnashville.org or wherever you get your podcasts. And the conversation doesn't end here. Tweet us at This Is Nashville, find us on Instagram, and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online. This is Nashville. I'm Khalil Ekelona. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody, and be good to each other. <laughs>